Hi there. Welcome to episode 21 of Never on the Backfoot podcast. This is me Neha Shetty and I'm so glad to have you all listening in. This is a three-part comprehensive series that will witness Roman and I explore topics ranging from a heartfelt chat with him, his passion for the game and us jumping into the main topic, the Australian tour with an analysis and focus on the recently concluded ODI and T20 series. So buckle up as this is going to be one awesome ride. Part 1 will witness us delve deep into topics like India's retro jersey, Australia's batting and dominance throughout the series, the opening pair of Australia piling on India's agony, India's opening pair dilemma and the absence of Rohit Sharma and his dominance with the bat overseas. The big totals witnessed throughout the series, Steve Smith's dominance with the bat early on in the series, Kohli's captaincy under fire with respect to the constant cutting and chopping and the over-reliance on Kohli the batsman and others not stepping up as our prime focus topics. Joining us for this series is a guest and an ardent cricket fan Ruman Khan. Ruman is a 19-year-old avid cricket fan who is currently pursuing a triple major in history, economics and political science at Christ Deem to be University. He is an aspiring historian and his insights are certainly what would add value to this collaboration and for you listeners to gain some knowledge. Hi Ruman, welcome to Never on the Backfoot podcast. Really happy to have you here. I guess the moment you asked me, you know, if this is what a uh, India call up feels like, I was sure that amidst us and some of the legends we've actually had, you know, previously gracing our podcast is Ruman, who will certainly add value to the episode with his mind-blowing insights, trust me. A true blue cricket fan, we know he is, and his analogy always being on point. I'm really grateful to have you shed light on the exciting topic lined up for you listeners. Hi Neha, uh, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. It truly does feel very special. I remember somewhere around the start of the lockdown, I had similar ideas to either start a blog or a podcast, but I never got going with it. When I heard of your podcast, I was quite glad. I remember texting you about it keeping my self-proclaimed expertise in mind and hoping that you'd ask me at some point and after 20 episodes here we are thank you so much yeah i mean this has certainly been a good experience and uh, yeah i mean before we get started with the topic uh, just a couple of questions to acquaint our listeners about your love for the game so what got you first interested in the game uh, well uh, i first watched cricket when i was 8 years old I vividly remember the first game I ever saw. It was in Feb 2010 when Sachin scored the first ever ODI double century. I remember watching it on the television and seeing his picture in the newspaper the next day. My next cricket memory was perhaps in the 2011 World Cup. It this was when I first got interested in playing cricket. I think that series that made me truly and unapologetically fall in love with cricket was the England tour of India in 2012. I think for some reason I had holidays at the time and I had come to Bangalore to stay with my grandmother. I watched every single ball that was bowled of wow. every session of all the four tests. Although we lost the series to one at home, that series is very special to me. I would get ready in the morning and just sit in front of the television missing nothing. I saw myself fall in love with test cricket more and more with every delivery that was bowled. and just the way pujara and alistair cook batted the way swan and panesa got the better of the conditions that were actually meant to favor us it was test cricket of the highest standard and i've never looked back since then 
Oh, wow, that is certainly one of the best ways to get introduced to the sport. I mean, test cricket is the pinnacle. This is a really interesting anecdote. Yes. Uh, I mean, how is it like, you know, playing cricket in school? And what are some of your uh, fondest memories? Well, uh, to be honest, I did not get to play a lot of school cricket. My school was relatively new, which meant that there was no team. We had to work our way, convince the management, build a team from scratch. I had the pleasure to be the captain and represent the team in school tournaments. Whoa. My fondest memory playing cricket for school was sometime in 2016. It was a 10-over game and we had to chase an insane total. The coach insisted that we send in two pinch hitters. I was not very convinced, but not like I had a choice. <laughs> the experiment did not work. They ended up holding the crease for five overs without scoring anywhere near what the required run rate was. Luckily, one of them got out. I went to bat and purposely got the other guy run out the very next ball. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wanted my usual batting partner to come in and he did. Um, so we have insane understanding. We both run quickly between the wickets and believe in running hard to score our runs. And this was also around the time when Kohli was showcasing insane running between the wickets with Dhoni. Hmm. When, when he was at the crease, we had started running the twos and the threes of every ball, hitting the odd boundary. Although we lost the match match by a short margin, just, but just being able to reach so close was personally gave me a lot of confidence. And I think had both of us opened, we could have actually won it. And the other reason why this match is so special to me is that this is the closest I'll ever come to emulating Kohli's approach to chasing a total. Oh yeah, I mean, this has to be such an interesting anecdote. And the analogy that you brought about of running and the understanding that Dhoni and Kohli shared with your personal example certainly helped us relive that. Uh, yes. Also, you know, seeing your Instagram stories and the admiration you have for Kohli, uh, why do you like the man so much? Like, how did it all start for you? Well, uh, firstly, I'll be honest that my admiration for Kohli did not begin immediately <laughs> when I started watching the game. Uh, I think around 2012-13, much like others, I too had dismissed him off as brash and arrogant. Hmm. It was only after the 2014 Border Gavaskar Trophy that I truly came to appreciate and realize what a great player he was. Uh, there are several reasons for liking him, his insane consistency, his aggressive captaincy. However, something that truly stands out to me is his insane dedication in improving his game, um, consider his in terms of his fitness levels. He yes. is in every sense a bona fide ambassador of world cricket. Admiration and obsession also kick in because, well... I've come to realize that Indian cricket fans have a fickle memory and can really get under your skin with one or two failures, disregarding everything else that has happened before. Uh, and I personally felt bad about the way Kohli was criticized in 2015 post the World Cup semi-final. And when you, have, when you have such a hostile environment going around and you genuinely believe in a person you've never met but idolized for the longest time, I think what it does is it makes you so emotionally invested in them. I think that is the case with me as well. I'm so emotionally invested in Kohli that it makes me so proud when he does well. It makes me want to share some love when he doesn't. At times when I see him frustrated, it upsets me. And when he's happy, I feel happy. It's hard to explain. Um, I don't know what this kind of admiration and obsession is. I think you really brought that out beautifully. I mean, Virat Kohli does have that kind of effect. And each of his gestures, the beautiful cricketing brain and his technique and the approach and everything that he brings to the game, he's such an asset to the team. Undoubtedly, a very good point to bring up. Um, to focus on, uh, what, which is one of your you know, favorite cricket match? Like, you can always go back to that and see it how many of the times. Ah. 
well my favorite match has to be the famous adelaide test in 2014 not only because kohli got the two centuries and uh, but also because that match truly represented a paradigm shift in indian cricket mm-hmm. we now have insight into kohli's famous to his and i think that kind of do or die attitude is brilliant and that surely has to be my favorite match perhaps ever Oh yes, I mean a solid knock, and it also put things in perspective. And all his doubters to bay after that dis- disastrous England tour earlier in 2014, and that he is the right man to lead after the vacuum that Dhoni left suddenly in between that series. So yes, I mean, we have what a match you remember and exceptional memories. Uh, to focus on next, what is one of your fondest memory of you know having gone to a stadium to watch any match, and your experience of the same? um well my first memory going to the stadium and watching a match was in 2017 india versus england hmm. kohli's first series as full time captain that beautiful one day at pune india was chasing 350 they were four down for 63 runs kohli and kedar jadhav just batted beautifully kohli got his 100 by hitting a six which landed a few seats in front of me that was very Ooh. special He also hit that famous short arm jab in my stand. I was lucky enough to get both both of them shot on camera. This has wow. to be my fondest memory of watching a game in the stadium. Yeah, I mean going to the stadium and watching is always such a special and surreal experience. And even Kedar Jadhav partnering Kohli that day was I think one of the highlights of the chase and it has to be one of the most underrated uh, matches for sure. Yes, absolutely. I mean I would have loved to ask you more questions and uh, you know to listen and probe your cricketing brain but let's now jump straight into our topic. Our topic for today's discussion is the analysis and understandings from the recently concluded ODI and T20 series that witnessed Australia taking on hosts India. It was a very interesting series. I mean we got to see so we got to see so much unfolding and we will be deliberating on quite a few aspects and points. So without further ado let's get straight at it. Uh let's start with the ODI series. <laughs> India's retro jersey. Well, this has to be one of the biggest talking points considering how team India is now sporting the retro 1992 jersey. Well, this did bring about some uh, sweet memories of our Indian team captained by Azharuddin sporting the jersey with the color scheme which was so different and intriguing at that time. This is also perhaps the first time back then that you know color jerseys had made their inroads in international cricket and that too in a World Cup. So it I mean a good initiative by the team management uh, considering how uh, we aren't sponsored by Nike anymore as our official kit partner this was a welcome distraction of sorts hopefully the kit we don in the next series is the usual blue and uh, experimental times i must say yes absolutely um about the ODI series uh, speaking specifically on Australia's batting throughout mm-hmm. and the sheer dominance Well uh, there's absolutely no doubt that they're a well balanced side more importantly everybody got going and that's always good for any side they played positive aggressive cricket the openers were brilliant in my opinion scoring hmm. a good run rate consistently providing those 100 plus runs partnerships hmm. it gives the players coming in to bat a lot of freedom I'll be honest as an RCB fan seeing Finch bat so well <laughs> triggered mixed emotions I'm sure Punjab fans would have felt the same watching Maxwell plays those hits <laughs> and uh, David Warner I I think he's just been incredible in the last couple of years very consistent always plays aggressively across formats he is always positive looks to attack I've rarely seen him struggle after all that happened in South Africa he was in such incredible form at the time 
I felt it was a big blunder, even personally, to face a ban when you're batting so well. Mm. But credit to him, he just carried the same form despite being away from the game for a year and continues to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And on the same line of thought, even the opening pair of Australia and how they have piled on the big runs, uh, perhaps one of the biggest positives and like healthy signs for Australia, maybe even the difference between the two sides was the opening pair. Warner and Finch, they were legit making mincemeat of the Indian bowling attack, putting up such big partnerships right at the top, setting a solid base and the foundation for the batsmen who were, you know, coming in afterwards, they could actually find time to settle in and their groove. I genuinely believe that their partnerships helped Australia post those big totals and man, were they a headache for India. And uh, India, on the other hand, we uh, it isn't a major worry, but we did miss out our proven match-winning combo of Dhawan and Rohit, who have time and again proven their mettle. And uh, Rohit Sharma's absence did give a good reason to try out someone like a Mayank Agarwal or Shubman Gill and, uh, with Dhawan. And we also got to see firsthand how this works, but I feel it's too early to make a judgment and, you know, write Mayank Agarwal off or, you know, Shubman Gill off too early. Well, yes, I think you're right. And uh, I think Rohit Sharma's uh, absence was uh, greatly felt. Mm. And there's no doubt um, uh, he, he could have been the difference in at least one of the two games we lost at the beginning of the one days. Mm. We we have a couple of contenders for the openers, but I think the top order will be settled once Rohit is back. Um, yes. I think at least for the next year or two, we should go back to Rohit and Shikha opening the innings regularly. They've won us several games at the top. What's Mm. really troubling India is the middle order. And that has been a problem for a while. We felt that especially at the World Cup last year, there was a period when Rohit, Shikhar and Virat were winning and finishing lots of games for India. I think that's when the middle order issue really began for us. Mm. We need to back players like Mayank Agarwal, Shreya Sayyar, Kale Rahul. Um, Even Hardik Pandya, this series, has made a case to bat higher in the order. I think what is required is clear communication by the management to some of these players that we need them to bat in the middle order. With clarity of role, players will be able to better perform uh, what's expected of them. Absolutely, yeah. Um, And I would also reflect on the big totals that we witnessed throughout the series. Hmm. Um, To be honest, I was not very surprised with the big totals. When I felt 370 was a tad bit too much, they scored 390 plus the very next game. Hmm. Uh, the wickets were quite flat, especially Sydney. Hobart was considerably better. I will give full credit to their bowlers for setting up some of our key wickets. I didn't think there was a lot on offer for the bowlers on the wicket. It shouldn't take away the fact that we too missed out on bowling in the hmm. right areas at times as well. I've always despised uh, Australian wickets for the same reason. I remember in 2015, Australia versus New Zealand, the second test at Perth, Australia had scored 550-odd runs in the first innings, and New Zealand actually followed it up with 620-odd runs. Just when I had started watching watching the game, uh, 300-plus runs were not so common, and it was considered a competitive total. It's definitely not the case anymore. I think England started playing that brand of cricket first. Wickets in England have become considerably flatter. Mm. If the series is any indication, Australia has followed the same style of cricket. While we have had our share of chasing down big totals, I still think we play a conservative brand of cricket. To be honest, I'm not a big fan of such high-scoring games. Mm. I'm sure when you're at the stadium, it is a lot of fun. But as an old-school cricket fan, I want to go back to the time when 260 and 270 were defended. 
Yeah, I mean, most certainly. Now you see every game, you know, like the fans also want that T20 brand of cricket, high-scoring games, and you know, getting those low totals in the first innings is seen as such a weakness, and you know, like writing pe- writing the team off itself in the first session. So yeah, that actually becomes very problematic. Uh, also, I'd like to see, you know, how Steve Smith has been so dominant with the bat in the ODI series, like. He, considering how he had a very rocky IPL and uh, he wasn't able to find his hands, as he repeatedly mentioned, he did find his mid-ass touch filing on the runs in the first two ODIs versus India. The wrist work was phenomenal. He was batting like a man possessed, raking up like two consecutive centuries, which was obviously like delightful to see, but ominous signs for India in the lead-up to the Test Series, where this man could certainly take a session or even the whole match away from India if he's allowed to settle and you know get in the groove. Uh, India will have to be on the offensive, bowling those bouncers and getting the spinners to bowl to him, making him uncomfortable. And we also can reflect on how Neil Wagner managed to do that, right? And we'll have to exploit that. I'm sure an interesting matchup with him and Bumrah is on cards and certainly looking forward to that. Yes, that is a lovely point. <laughs> and I do remember that series when Neil Va- Wagner was just getting the better of uh, Steve Smith. All occasions, uh, yes. Yes. Um, I think uh, in the recent times, one of the things that have has come under fire has been Kohli's captaincy. Oh, yes. And I think we should reflect a bit on that. Mm-hmm. I've always felt that little hostility and partisanship spike, especially during and after every IPL. To be honest, such a hosti- hostile environment is not very good, neither for the players nor for the game itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally hold some former cricketer players responsible for the nonsense that went around on social media after the IPL. Mm. Um, Kohli's record as India's captain across formats speaks for itself. I think Rohit Sharma has done really well as a captain, not only for Mumbai, mm. but also for India and Kohli's absence. But without taking away anything from him, I'll still say that there was never any merit in this debate. The mm. fact that there are so many players who can take up leadership roles in the future, I think is a very good sign. I think it should unite us with pride and not divide us along the lines of fandom. 100%. I mean, you should just see the kind of uh, toxic uh, wars that go on on Twitter, you know, versus the Rohit Sharma fans and the Kohli fans. Like, they're on the same banner, like Team India, right? And it is very depressing to see that. Good point. absolutely. And uh, I think we should also talk on the uh, over-reliance on Kohli. Hmm. I do believe that we've always been a little over-reliant on Virat as well as Rohit for that matter. Uh, Rohit not being available for the series made things worse. The over-reliance is mostly uh, because Virat has done so well single-handedly winning games for India. However, I think the root cause of the problem goes back to the middle-order question. Hmm. India needs to develop a solid middle-order for Kohli to play more freely at the top. I mean, this time, even though Rohit Sharma is absent, we are looking at uh, scores of 370-plus, right? Even for a player like Kohli, without backing and, you know, that constant tumbling of wickets, I think it was very difficult, you know? And yes, over-reliance was like a major thing. With this, we draw curtain on part one of the series. Roman will be joining us for the other two parts and we will be exploring other aspects of the series and would love to have you join us. Thank you so much listeners.